0: there, precious kinklings. You're listening to K is for Kinky. And today we have a very special topic. Miss Jen, tell them what it is.
1: The care and feeding of (laughs) D-types. Basically, the point of this episode is that oftentimes we focus a lot on the S side of the slash when it comes to things like um, subspace, subdrop, aftercare needs, all that kind of stuff, we, we focus more heavily on the S side of the slash. And so today, I wanted to focus on all those things, but on the D side of the slash.
0: So let's go ahead and dig our teeth into the care and feeding of D types.
1: Hello, and welcome to the K's for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. All right, so this should be interesting now that um, you, Eden, have had some topping under your belt, right? Because now you can speak to it from that side as well in terms of... Maybe are are there things that have come up for you in starting to top people that you maybe wouldn't have thought about until you were in that position?
0: I mean, I think the only thing that's been unusual is I I very much expect for bottoms to drop. You know, I think a huge part of negotiation tends to surround the safety, the security and the emotional um, well-being of the bottom. Um, and I, so I think a lot about that as a top. I think a lot about how to take care of the bottom. Um, I've been very lucky to, to have been paired with bottoms who are thoughtful and my play partner is very thoughtful when it comes to checking in on me after we have scenes. I'll check in on her, but she'll also check in on me, um, as a top. So I guess the biggest surprise that I've experienced is more so just the fact that, um, I can drop. I've had, uh, only I think one or two instances where I've dropped, and a lot of my dropping as a top has to do more so with um, whether or not I had enough time to, you know, cuddle with the bottom during aftercare, whether or not I have contact with the bottom and can, can make sure they're okay. A lot of my well-being as a top revolves around me knowing the my bottom was okay. Um, and I may or may not get physical drop, but not very often.
1: Well, and you, you mentioned – you know, aftercare being an important part of that for you. So part of your needs that maybe you didn't recognize beforehand is that you need a certain amount of aftercare after a scene that isn't just about you giving aftercare to your bottom, but also you being in that aftercare together, which you've found affects your drop.
0: Yeah, I guess I want to know that the bottom... Had a good time, feels comfortable with me, um, and can reach out whenever they need. And I, I want to make sure that they're doing well, that they're, that they're, that they're okay. Um, I can get emotionally affected as a top when um, I don't get enough time with the bottom after a scene. You know, that's something that I realized is I, I, I need a certain amount of companionate time as well.
1: Well, let's, let's back up actually a little bit and talk about top space or dom space, whatever you want to call it, spaciness from play, right? Because we often talk about subspace. And, you know, when we talk about subspace, you know, we talk about where that comes from. We talk about the body's reaction to pain um, or certain stimulus that is associated uh, with spaciness, you know, these chemicals and things being released, endorphins, etc., in your body. And how it can affect different bottoms, right? There's, you know, some people will say they feel floaty. Other people like they're tipsy. All kinds of different things, right? I personally tend to see top space or dom space not so much as like floaty, tipsy, but more... I don't know if this is going to make sense. But the way I experience it is more like a meditative hyper focus. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um... I experienced something similar where I, I really get in the zone when I'm topping um, and I zero in on the person I'm topping too. They become my entire world in focus. I'm able to pay attention to what's happening around me regarding the scene, mm-hmm. but I'm really trying to connect with them, feel their energy, feel their body, you know, make sure that I'm not distracted basically. So that does require hyper focus for sure.
1: Yeah. And so I've always had kind of a a theory that the reason we don't, look at or talk about top space as much is because usually it oftentimes I think comes with some experience and the reason for that you know for somebody who is bottoming it might be easier for them to kind of just you know let go and and receive the experience they're not concentrating on the doing action, which could result, you know, looking at safety concerns and things like that, which hopefully the top is aware of, um, safety and surroundings and all those things. And also skill. So I, I, my theory is that the more practice you've had with whatever type of play you're doing, the more likely you are to feel some kind of spaciness as a top, because when you are still in the mode of practicing and learning a skill, you have to pay even more attention to what it is you're doing. You can't really kind of let go and do it as second nature yet. So that's kind of my own personal theory as to why we don't hear a lot of newer tops experiencing top space. And even experienced tops, we don't hear about it quite as much. Because I think it is, it's is—it's a different experience.
0: Yeah. I mean, they talk about this in sports. They talk about it in acting as well about whether or not you are, you know, hyper-focusing on doing the action well versus intuitively acting and unleashing your full potential. There are two different things. Like if an actor is learning their lines and so worried about getting their lines right, and if they're really worried about how does their face look, is that person paying attention to me? If they're distracted and looking at the world around them instead of zoning in on their scene partner and being in the moment, it's going to come across differently, right? Like, so... The same is true of T.O.P.S. I find a lot of the things I learned in theater school apply to scenes <laughs> and has nothing to do with acting. It has everything to do with human connection. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm starting to be able to really get into a headspace when I'm playing with my play partner because we trust each other and I know her body well enough and I know my own skill sets well enough now that I'm able to start doing things on a second nature. I still adjust if I make a mistake. I'm still paying attention to myself, but yeah. I don't have to be so worried about am I doing this right? Now it's more so I can I can make art with the tools that the few tools I have. I can make something beautiful out of that.
1: And it might be that like right now you're still focusing on hands-on play and you might find that if you decide oh I'm going to pick up this Implement and start using it. If your focus will shift until right, you are that comfortable with that implement as well.
0: Well, I'm certain. Um, I think another thing too. I, as a top, need a lot of verbal feedback from my bottoms at this stage in my topping. Um, as I get to know a bottom better, I need a. L-
1: Do you mean during the scene or during, after? During okay. and I after. Wondered,
0: and it, my preference is not to have to talk to the bottom the whole time during a scene. But when I'm first playing with somebody, that first initial scene, I'll communicate a lot more. I think some of that's because I'm new. But also, it might just be something that I continue to do in my practice because I like for the bottom to have open communication with me, even though it doesn't allow for them to sink into deep headspace, because I'm learning. I want them to be able to feel confident telling me that strike didn't hit in the place I wanted it to, or that was a little too hard. I like to have a lot more open communication. And as a top, because I'm newer, that's a need I have right now. Um, So... If I don't get a bottom who's communicative during or after, the after part is more important to me. But if I've asked for that and they're not able to communicate, I would probably be very nervous and very worried. Um, it would it would not not make me feel good as a top to be concerned about is my bottom okay, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, good communication between two people who are playing, whatever that communication looks like, right, is important. So whether it's verbal communication, whether it's use of safe words, gestures you know, talking afterwards, et cetera, um, that's always going to be really important and help in terms of a top being able to kind of let go enough to, to swim in the pool of spaciness, if you will, <laughs> whatever that looks like for you. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, one thing that I'm experiencing in top space is that I, I tend to, especially if it's a good energy with the person, I get into kind of a dominant place. I'm able to access a primal part of me that just wants to kind of launch into control and wants to demonstrate that control consensually with the person I'm with, I, it goes beyond just wanting to do impact. It goes into something deeper for me. But I can only get there when I'm getting into my headspace. It's totally a headspace for me. And I would definitely call that my top space. So there is a mm. place I can get, but I can't be worried about if I'm hitting the person right when I'm getting there. I have to be, as you said, practiced enough and locked in enough to really start to feel like I'm in the zone. I have to be meditative to get there. So that would be my top space. Um, and I have yet to experience somebody interrupting my top space, but I <laughs> wonder if that would be devastating in terms of top drop. It's I certainly bet, annoying. <laughs> I bet if somebody interrupted my top space, it would it, it would impact me the next day. So I guess the first thing I'd say to help with top drop would be like, you know, when you enter up the scene, yes, you should be talking to the top, not the bottom. That's the first person you should go to. But you could be damaging that top's top space if you're interjecting yourself or unnecessarily causing problems for that scene. You're not just going to impact the bottom; you could also
1: impact the top. Well, and I want to make sure that we're talking that we're talking about the same thing as well, because there's when I talk about like top space, dom space, I'm not necessarily that it's something separate from a dominant head space, right? So, for example, most of the time I feel like I am in a dominant headspace. It's just just part of who I am. But when I'm talking about my own top space or spaciness or dom space, not headspace, I'm talking about the feeling during play when I'm usually for me it's flogging but you when get I'm, really your face gets I'm hot when you things, flog when I'm doing things where I can let go and become sort of in that meditative separate I'm still in my dominant head space the entire scene but there may be portions of it that I get into that spaciness of I have to remind myself there's a world around me
0: I think we're on the same page for me my head space when I'm playing and I'm playing and I'm getting into that zone is it feels like dominance. It feels like a a form of primal energy that I don't get to experience unless I'm playing. I don't typically carry in myself all the time that primal energy or that dominant space, but it definitely comes out when I'm happy in a scene, content in a scene, focused in a scene and able to connect to my partner in a scene. That's a healthy top space for me. Um, I'm not able to walk around the world and be in a constant headspace of dominance because I usually am living with my dominant partner and I'm your submissive. So right. for me, top space turns on parts of me that aren't always activated.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, I just wanted to make sure we were also for the people listening clear on kind of distinguishing that. Um, but, you know, we've we've glanced a little bit at drop. Um, but I think some of that <clears throat> it's D-types can experience drop as well, right? We always focus on, okay, you know, if you're the top in a scene, you want to make sure that, you know, you check in with the bottom, uh, you know, maybe that night when they get home, the next day for several days after, maybe a week out, making sure that they're doing all right. If they're dropping, do they need to talk about it? Do they need suggestions on how to take care of themselves? Blah, blah, blah. And oftentimes we just Don't even talk about the D-type possibility of drop. But I think that, you know, when, when, if you are a bottom or an S-type, if your D-type is checking in on you after a scene, ask them how they're doing, (laughs) right? Like maybe they're struggling. I mean, hopefully they would just tell you also, just like I would expect hopefully the S-type to also say, hey, you know, it's not our check-in time, but I'm really struggling today. Like that's for both people can do that. Um, and I think it's, it's, you know, especially I know a lot of D types who are working through some of the shame aspects of play, um, you know, getting through whether it's because it's a, a heavy scene or a very, uh, you know, emotional or mentally based scene or humiliation, things like that. But even just in a regular impact scene, there can still be a lot of shame surrounding what they are doing to another human and part of their drop may be really, you know, being concerned about how they've treated their bottom and what they've done. And if their bottom still respects them as a human and knows that they are respected and, you know, that they haven't done anything wrong. In fact, it's the opposite, that it, it was great, if that's the case, hopefully, um, that they really enjoyed it. And they still care about you and you are their friend you are their partner whatever your relationship is right I think that can be a lot of the time very I think that can often be very important for a d-type to get as part of the continued aftercare after a scene
0: yeah I mean I want to second that and just jump in to say it's something that I I often give a lot of praise to tops that I experience. I'll I'll be very appreciative and I just do that a lot. I've I've done it genuinely and also out of respect and like kindness, right? But as a top, receiving that from a bottom is so important and critical. It's really a big deal to have a bottom, if it's truthful, telling you that was great. I really loved that. It feels good as a top. It lets you know that you're doing your job well um, and that you have some sort of talent or skill in what you're doing. It, It feels amazing when a bottom is appreciative of the scene you had so not only do i now give that gift knowing the importance of it in a way i didn't before but receiving that gift from a bottom is such a big deal and i I just it's it's a thing you cherish and it can really mitigate the possibility of drop if you know the bottom felt good even if you might have your own things you're processing you're like well at least i i showed up and did that thing really awesome you know
1: (laughs) um I was just picturing you saying that like doing the knuckle you know off the shoulder.
0: Yeah well I mean it's kind of like I remember like with my ex they always wanted to know how they did after sex and like I've noticed with a lot of men like men specifically if you tell them certain things like their ego you can see it visibly swell and I kind of apply that to tops in general like many tops are sort of visibly swell when you're like that was great they're like yeah I'm glad you liked it you know (laughs) like they can definitely be seen as like like, the head starts to swell a little bit. But really, it's it's kind of this sweet thing that I, as as a new top, I'm starting to understand, like, why it's such a big deal. Because the whole point of playing is to connect with that other person. If they didn't have a good time, how can you have a good time? You know, it it, it matters a lot with the bottom experiences. So, yeah, when you get good feedback from bottoms, it's like, oh, I did a good job
1: like it's kind of it's your only way of knowing truthfully well and especially like I said if you have done things that are more deplorable
0: um deplorable
1: <laughs> you know it's good to have that confirmation and that um reassurance you know I know a lot of tops and d types who you know like I said especially if they're doing edgier scenes or if they're newer to, to topping. Um, that reassurance can go a very long way, and especially when we're talking about about drop.
0: Hey there, kinklings! We're gonna interrupt this to give you a very special announcement, which is that if you have not gotten enough of chaos for kinky, and you just want more of Miss Jen you should definitely be checking out akinkshrink.com. It is her official website. A lot of resources are on there, including all of the parties that we run, that she runs, that I help her with, that I run. Check it out. Go look.
1: And including um, support groups that are online. So even if you're not local, you can see us and interact with us at our online support groups.
0: Yeah, so check out akinkshrink.com. And with that being said, we will hop along back to the episode.
1: We oftentimes talk about what does aftercare look like for the S type. You know, what do they need? And that makes sense because they're the one, getting... they're the one that received all the things. They're the ones that are usually not the only ones. I mean, the the top after a scene can also be a little a little out of it, right? But they're often the ones. You know, they're usually in some kind of undress, uh, whether it's partial or full. So, you know, they're the ones more likely to have a temperature drop. So they're cold. They might need, you know, something warm or snuggles or whatever. Um, and they're usually when we talk about the spaciness, right? We talked about before well, their body it can affect just went through differently.
0: Their body just went through something unusual. It's not unusual for a human body to physically exert itself during exercise, which is what the top experiences. The top is exerting their body, and usually, if they do get physically exhausted, it's from exercise. But the bottom is physically exhausted from receiving heavy, sometimes moderate to heavy impact. So their body is processing something that's not
1: typical. When an S type thinks of And this is a total cherry on top. Like this is not, I'm not saying that this should be an expectation necessarily, but you know, when an S type does something, um, for their D type, like, I don't know, even bringing along for during aftercare time, they bring along a a snack or something that they know the D type enjoys, or they bring themselves a, you know, bag of gummy bears, and shares them or <laughs> whatever it might be. Um, and you can go above and beyond that. I mean, you know, I, I there was once I won't say I won't act like this was all the time, but there was one time uh, that I packed a whole picnic for aftercare i was bottoming at the time and i packed a whole picnic to have at the dungeon after our
0: scene people are just lining up to play with you because they know you come with a picnic they're like i want to top her because she feeds me after
1: (laughs) well it was it was it was definitely a different occasion it was somebody i was playing with who lived in canada it was a one-time thing like i knew that it was like oh i know what
0: scene you're referencing this is your takedown scene yeah
1: yeah um but a picnic is reasonable for a takedown picnic, scene. Right? I think <laughs> if someone
0: does a whole takedown and they organize like a fucking car, you take them on a picnic after. That sounds it, reasonable. Granted,
1: he wasn't here just for the scene. Like, he was here for business. Don't
0: ruin it for me. Well, Don't ruin <laughs> the image of him flying out just to take you down. No, that's not <laughs> And then a picnic afterwards. Thank you so much for... Locking me up in the trunk of your car and then no, beating me was, senseless that's not in it. Don't ruin it for me. Don't <laughs> tell me the truth. What I'm imagining is so much more intense, apparently. Let me just yeah. have my image. After what I'm imagining is that you got kidnapped in the back of a car, <laughs> giggling the whole time, stoked out of your mind. Oh my God. He took you to his apartment. You were in oh a rickety, like, room. You said the
1: picnic was in the dungeon. Shh, don't ruin this. Oh,
0: and then after he hit you, he untied you, he gave you some cuddles. He said, How's the kids? And then you what? said, I have a picnic. It's at home. I prepared it. Let me go get it. And then you went on a picnic together and you went, that was so much fun.
1: That's my fantasy. Don't ruin it with the truth. That is so... Okay. Well, you enjoy that fantasy. Because that's tell, what it is. Are you going to tell
0: the listeners the truth? Because I should probably plug my ears. Does the truth matter?
1: The truth doesn't matter.
0: Okay, good. Then listeners, you you heard it from us. You heard it from me. Kidnapped. Giggling in the back seat. <laughs> Beat in somebody's (laughs) apartment and then on a pleasant picnic, they went.
1: Oh, Lord. And he flew out just for that. (laughs) No. Okay. But anyway, (laughs) I did pack a picnic. The point was, (laughs) the point was I was the S-type in that scenario. And, you know, you don't have to go above and beyond like that, obviously, um, just know that if you
0: petition to play with her and you don't come with a picnic, you're in deep shit. That's not true. It's part of our contingency. It's now a secret rule. ruining
1: my reputation. all over the place. I can't play
0: with Jen. I, can't, I don't know how to make a picnic and I don't have the energy and time.
1: No. Um, but you know, even just during the negotiation, I will give you this as a big hint. When you are negotiating, if you're the S type and you're negotiating for play with a D type, just asking the question goes a long way what do you enjoy for aftercare like just asking that question it is not asked that often i yeah. will say um now usually it's it's okay the d type will say here's what i need during aftercare or they might not have many, any needs or many needs outside of what the aftercare looks like for the s type right And that's very common But I think it's lovely if if the S-type asks um, what their needs are, because, you know, I've had times when, um, you know, I play. And for me, if anyone knows me, I overheat really easily, like just standing in a room, I will overheat. So doing a scene. I'm a hot mess afterwards, and I mean hot as in sweaty hot. She's also sexy, too, though. (laughs) So for me, a lot of times I need to cool off, right? And so if my partner asks me, what do you need for, uh, for aftercare? I might say, you know, depending on what we're doing or where, I might say, well, you know, I need to sit somewhere preferably outside to cool off, right? And so we can talk about, okay, well, what does that look like? Like, do we do that... And then go inside and do like the cuddle time or do we do some cuddle time while you suffer and then we go outside (laughs) to cool off
0: while you suffer?
1: (laughs) And, you know, so it just kind of depends and it, it depends on where as well. Like, you know, there's some places where you might have a separate space That you can sit and it's, you know, there's fans going or whatever and you don't have to go outside or what have you. But just talking about that before the scene, talking about that during the negotiation and being mindful that the top may need things as well. Right. They might need to cool off or they might have blood sugar issues where maybe they need to have some kind of specific snack um, and they need to be able to go somewhere during aftercare where they're able to take out some food to eat. Right. Right. Um, so all those types of things. they might be small, but just to ask, I think is is lovely. Yeah.
0: Um, something that I have found as a top that's interesting as as negotiations have continued with various people, I realized I found myself asking, for specifically companion at time outside of the scene. Um, because I like to know the people I play with. I Part of my interest in playing with people is my interest in their mind and their spirit. So yes, like it is fun just to play, period. Like from a body standpoint, it's fun to hit somebody, right? Like that's in, consensually. Um, but I I don't want to just hit somebody and impact their body. I want to change the way that they feel in their body. I want to change them. And I want to I want to enjoy them. And so for me, that level of enjoyment and that desire for intimacy goes beyond just the scene itself. It also is part of me wanting to know, like, are they safe? Are they doing well? I want my bottom to know that I care about them beyond just the, the moments we share. And I want my tops to know the same thing. Actually, I'm the same way with tops. I definitely want companionate at time. If I'm not interested in spending time with you outside of a scene, I'm not playing with you. Unless I'm, you know, service topping at a party or something. I'm not, I'm not scheduling scenes with you. Um, so there's that piece. And I think that is unique to me. I'm sure there are other tops that experience it. But as a top, that's a specific need that I have that I would qu- qualify as before, during, and after care for me. Um, but another yeah. thing that I find myself needing to tell bottoms, and this might not sound like aftercare, but for me it totally is. I am very protective of my bottoms after we've played. The feeling is primal. It's not just I am protective because it is responsible to be protective. I get primally protective as if I, they were a kid that I was watching. I do not want them out of my sight. I do I do not want somebody approaching them and trying to petition them for sex or play. Um, I feel protective. I want to make sure that they get to their car safely. If I'm driving them home, that makes me feel good because I know that they got home safely. I want to know that they're fed, and I want to know that they're watered. I want to know if they're cold, that they have a blanket. Like I'm right there and I I basically go into almost like a dog mode where I just am right by their side. Um, What if they have planned another scene? Exactly. What if they have planned another (laughs) scene? I have found that I need to communicate. My instinct is to be protective and I need to know if you have another scene planned. I need to know. Yeah, that's
1: important anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's important for you to let your any play partner know, hey, I've got this on the docket. Yeah,
0: and I always bring that up because I've had it happen a couple times in, in ne- negotiations where if I didn't ask, are you playing with anyone else, I would have been surprised by the answer when I got there. But as a top, I need to know who my bottom is playing with later that night because I may say I'll only play with you after you play with someone else because I know that I'm going to be respectful to you. So I can guarantee that if you play with me second, I'm not going to hurt you. I can't guarantee what another top does. I can't promise that another top isn't going to take advantage of my bottom when their headspace is is funky. I don't trust anyone else unless my bottom says this is a partner that I trust. If my bottom told me, yeah, I am playing with someone and it's my first time playing with them and I'm playing with them after you, I'd say, okay, I'm either going to play with you second or I'm not playing with you that night. Not as a punishment, but because I can't guarantee they're safe, I would be worried sick until I knew that bottom was safe for for me personally. And that's like, that's my aftercare need is to know that my bottom is safe while their headspace is compromised or to know that my bottom is playing with someone after me that they trust that will not harm them. If I know that, then I'm fine.
1: Well, and I think there's there's somewhat of a middle ground. that, Like, I understand what you're saying. I think, though, there's also the possibility of playing with them, doing plenty of aftercare, knowing that they are back to center in a good headspace. And then going to play with somebody that they've planned.
0: I think the more I play, I might get more into that middle ground. But right now, I'm still kind of learning my own comfort level because I would feel responsible if I played with somebody, even if they were like, yeah, I'm fine. But then they consented to something and they were actually still under the headspace influence and they regretted that scene. Or honestly, like if I play with somebody and then two hours later, another top played with them and hurt them, I would be devastated. Even though it's not me that did it, I would be like, I was a part of their evening and I was protecting them and I relinquished that protection too soon. So for me, like that's just more, I, maybe I'm taking more personal responsibility oh. than necessary, but that's my headspace as a top. And I let my bottoms know that and I let, we discuss beforehand what's going to happen so that I'm comfortable, they're comfortable, they can be autonomous. If they're like, I'm fine after scenes, like I'm not going to like encroach in their autonomy, but I just might for my own boundary be like, yo, if you want to play with two people in the night, let me be the last one.
1: Well, and and you're making a good example of just a personal boundary for you. Yeah, as a top, the main point as a top, and the main point of that is is communication, right? Making sure that you communicate that ahead of time so that everybody's aware of one the boundary and what that means.
0: Speaking of personal boundaries, like another thing that I've discovered as a top that's so fucking interesting, and I think it actually might be a universal experience or a very common one. Um, What I found is that I interact with bottoms, or potential bottoms, from a stance of taking a lot of personal responsibility for their safety and well-being, both emotionally and physically, right? That's what a responsible top should do. Um, But I think for some bottoms, that line becomes blurred when they don't know the difference between a top and a dominant. So like as a top, I'm taking personal responsibility right before for negotiation. I take responsibility during negotiation. I mean, you should also be personally responsible as the bottom, but I I tend to lead negotiation. I expect to lead it when I'm topping. Um, uh, I take responsibility for that and for adhering to what we agree to. I take responsibility for the scene itself, the night of, and I take responsibility for aftercare. Those are my responsibilities. And I appreciate when the bottom takes on a similar or equal burden, but as a top, I feel that's reasonable. But it's not reasonable for me to provide constant emotional support and framework for that person outside of that area it's not reasonable for me to sacrifice all of my needs in and outside the scene to suit that bottom and the reason I, I make a difference there is because I've I had an experience at the bottom where I feel like good for them they took care of their emotional needs but they didn't regard my personal needs as the top because they saw me I think as the top having a responsibility to provide everything for them and none of my needs need to be provided for in their mind. And I feel like that blurs that line between tops and dominance, but also it would be a false standard for a dominant too. Yeah. Um, but it was something I experienced with a top side that just threw me for a loop because it had never occurred to me that somebody would treat me in a way where they saw all their needs as valid and all of mine as unimportant. And I think it's that more that's common
1: than we'd like.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably common for tops. and I was like, oh, This is a little bit weird. And, like, I guess I'm sharing that on the podcast right now because I don't know if many people listening to this have experienced that. But I would say to bottoms, be aware that your tops, while they might be caretakers to a degree when it comes to making sure you're all right, and while they probably want to do right by you, you do have a responsibility to respect your tops and to understand and respect their boundaries. You should ask what their boundaries are. And if a boundary presents itself, You should respect that that boundary is there the same way that you would hope they'd respect your boundaries.
1: Well, I think that's where we get a lot of like you hear about like kink dispensers or pleasure dispensers um, is when that's not happening. And you bring us right into this idea of, you know, consent and boundaries and all of that. And I think the other piece that doesn't get talked about enough is the scene itself, right? We, we talk a lot about S types having boundaries and safe words and what's okay and what's not okay and limits and, and all of this, which again, hundred percent important, not downplaying that it's an and, and (laughs) D types or tops also have boundaries and limits and, and, you know, consent is still key for the top and you know I think a lot of bottoms will think about it in terms of well why do I need to know their limits they're leading the scene but there's plenty of things that an s-type can do during a scene that may be crossing a boundary for a d-type you know it could be I mean even just like for me I have a boundary with bottoms that I play with if we are not in a sexual relationship outside of play underwear stays on during a scene it's just my own personal preference um so that's my own boundary but like during a scene you know we talk a lot about okay for the s type all right i can touch you a b and c place i can do this to your body i can you know caress this area but only hit this area (laughs) Right. We, we talk about those specifics, but the S-type typically doesn't find out from the D-type. Well, do you have those likes and dislikes as well? You know, there's nothing unless they're completely like bound to the furniture, an S-type could easily reach out and grab the D-type. Right. Or touch the D-type in some way in gentle or not. Verbally, there's things they can say. Um,
0: I think that's a really interesting point that I have brought up two S-types or two bottoms when I'm talking with them for negotiation because I actually am not uncomfortable with physical touch ever. The only times I don't want somebody to touch me physically without consent personally are sexual ways, generally speaking. I have times when I don't want to
1: hug, but I'm very tolerant of physical touch. Well, and that's a lot of that is what I'm talking about is like, you know, and you doing stuff to to a bottom, and the bottom just reaching up as if they're, you know, your your lover in the bedroom and like grabbing a boob, grabbing like, a boob. <laughs> you know? well that's like, se- that's sexual touch, that's sexual. I'm, that's what I mean. But yeah. like some people may or may not think of it that way. Or they just might be caught up in the moment or whatever, or not. In the think moment. That they'll
0: do it. I thought it was okay to grope you. <laughs> we didn't discuss it, but in the moment it felt right.
1: <laughs> well, but if it's you know, that's one of those things that that, you know, I, I don't know. I just S types can also cross lines during scenes. And just because they are not quote unquote in control of leading the scene doesn't mean that they can't cross boundaries
0: yeah well the way that i handle that is i just tell the bottom i've done it in most negotiations while i actually most recently i said to someone you know by the way i don't mind if you touch me if you grab a hold of my arm or my my ankle i said as long as your intent is not sexual and you're trying not not trying to your intent is not to arouse me i assume that you're grabbing me because you want connection Or you need a pause. You're getting my attention. I said, and if you happen to accidentally graze a part of me that I don't want you touching, I'm going to assume you didn't mean to do it and let you know, oops, that was an accident. But I I basically say, like, I'll give you a certain amount of leeway, but please don't touch me sexually. Please don't. Please don't (laughs) grab my body in that way. Right. So, like, what I I try to be gentle about it, but also clear, like, we are not beginning a sexual relationship because we're in the scene. (laughs) (laughs)
1: well and not just sexually I also want to bring up um bratting and fighting back
0: oh yeah that's a that's a fun one to talk about
1: yeah so that's another one that you know for a d-type there are d-types out there who thrive on bratty behavior during a scene um there are d-types who hate it and it's a limit for them um you just never been bratted right before.
0: <laughs> I actually literally just wanted to say that because oh it's such an God. ugly thing to say. And I just feel like there's so many times in life where like men say that to like, tr- like, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. you know I what know. I'm saying? Like you, you never had the right man before. Right man. You haven't had the right brat before. It's ridiculous. Sorry. I obviously well, don't agree with that. And but. some
1: D types maybe like it, maybe don't, but have a specific want for a specific scene. Right. They want, might want to do the scene with a different energy that braddiness doesn't play into right yeah. so it might be for that scene they don't want it or whatever um but also primal activities um you know if a d-type if it's not been negotiated and it's just supposed to be quote unquote supposed to be just a typical you know impact scene let's say But the S type, maybe the S type knows or maybe they don't. I don't know. But maybe they know that sometimes if they hit a certain pain threshold or if they are impacted at a certain part of their body or whatever, that they can react in a fight mode and fight back. And it's still consensual. Like it's it's they're tapping into that energy. But maybe the D types like, um, excuse me. This was not negotiated. Please respond that way. when you... In the middle, (laughs) excuse me. (laughs) Like, when you were talking about, you know, I'm okay with physical touch for the most part unless it's sexual, well, what if they were grabbing your ankle to try to pull your feet out from under you? I'm not consenting to be taken down. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, it might not be sexual, but it might be coming from a fight response that, again, could be used in a very positive, fun way, but if it wasn't negotiated, that's something to be mindful of. That's a good you know? point. And that might be something that the top needs to say, like, hey, you know, we're, you're not fighting back on this one. You're calling a safe word if you need me to stop, but I'm not, into, I'm not in this scene for you to fight back. That could yeah. be another scene.
0: <laughs> well, I cannot speak to that because I have yet to encounter someone who wants to get into a physical fight as part of the scene, and I have a feeling that it could go poorly as I'm not a trained fighter. One of us is going to get hurt on accident. Someone's going to have a poke die. We're going to have to end the scene, and we're going to go it's all to the fun DM. And games
1: until somebody Someone's, pokes an eye out. Yeah, be
0: <laughs> like, I actually got my eye poked out by my bottom. Uh, we got too frisky, and it it, it went south. <laughs> no, I'm not mad at them. We're going to watch some TV right now. But can you please give me a bandage? Um, just an ridiculous. Patch, yeah, an eye patch. It's
1: yeah. It's it's just one of those things that it's kind of like when we talk about during negotiation. How you know talking about the type of scene you want to have, not just here's what you yeah, can do, the here's what you can use, but the type of energy, the type of scene, the feel of the scene, right? Yeah, and we talk about discussing that and and you know what it is typically that both people want. Um, and that can be something that you know, if you negotiate for that and say, Yeah, we're gonna do you know an impact scene and i don't mind some primal energy if you want to try to fight back go for it just don't
0: punch me in the fucking face well, yeah Jesus. i mean there's obviously this. you have to indicate you what can, type of fight back is okay yeah, like
1: you know you can you know if i'm trying to push your arms back you can try to resist like you can try to push back against me um and you can even negotiate to say especially if you if you're playing with somebody who is stronger than you <laughs> right you can say, look, you can f- like playfully push back, but then you need to give in because you are just obviously stronger I'm, than me. I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm I cannot overpower win. you. I need you to give in, please. Um, no, it's true. I no, it's not. It seems like that as just, a pro, like there were huge dudes that came in and that was their whole thing was like, I know I can overpower you, but that's not what I want. Right. Yeah. And I want to negotiate this so that I am the the quote unquote weakling you I kind know? of want
0: you to overpower me now though well that's but easy. you actually can't exactly you, you can't it's not it's not an act <laughs> that's easy. it's not an act everybody's um, strength for <laughs> me
1: true but yeah it's you know these are all things to consider because you know I, for me as a bottom I used to have trigger points that would trigger me into fight mode into that primal energy and I would fight back as tops as a top do you have as the trigger bottom modes? huh as a top do you have the trigger modes <laughs> what do i have no, to do it was, it was what button triggers? do i have to push it was impact
0: triggers so i could like impact you one time and then you'd be
1: like <laughs> no it was a specific it was more specific that i'm not giving away on the podcast can you give it to me away later <laughs> No, you're never gonna do it fuck that no but that's I- not gonna be something you cried just giving me some impact on my upper back.
0: Like, I just, I like... just want you to turn around, growl, and attack me. Can you just do that? We can
1: negotiate that without you doing the hitty thing in the certain place. I just
0: wasn't sure if you need a button pushed. <laughs> I don't need a button pushed. The
1: only access, but I knew is this that. Ab- but I knew that about myself as an S type, and the people I was playing with, because I typically I'm playing with people who I'm in some kind of relationship with, or I'm really good friends with. All just throughout my journey and so you know typically the person I'm playing with either knew or, or learned they <laughs> that, learned <laughs> that that was a response but in those cases it was it was all good right and we were in those cases I was actually in a relationship with these people so we knew each other well enough and on an intimate level but um, but yeah it's you know I could see that being triggered with somebody who's not expecting it who doesn't know the bottom as well, who, you know, I don't... Like, I can see that really being jarring and also pulling the D-type out of their headspace. Not dom space, but, like, their headspace as the dominant, as the top. I could see it really affecting them and also being something that feels like it's not consensual, if it's not something that's, you know, talked about.
0: So the other thing that I can speak to as... Uh, not to change the subject because this is very interesting and also just funny to imagine just pushing your button and you being like
1: i took a chair Um, out of the wall at a club
0: jesus fuck is this does this button make you hulk out do you do you it did jesus (laughs) did once
1: (laughs) who are you i'm looking at you they said i didn't have to fix it though
0: (laughs) you are a monster madam um anyways She put the chair out of a fucking wall. Um,
1: Sometimes I go Hulk. Is that okay with you? Well, I was strapped to the chair and I needed to get at the person. And and so I accidentally brought the chair with me. But it was bolted into the wall. But not well, obviously. I'm not the actual Hulk.
0: I don't know, man. This story is starting to add up in some weird directions. The other thing that I have brought up and that I found is the bratting piece. So first of all, it's hard to define what bratting even is. Um, I have used the word brat casually... Um, before to describe certain things, and my play partner has been like, "Is that bratting?" And I'm like, "Well, actually, I don't really know." Um, basically, bratting is is a charged term because it's often used derogatorily to describe S types simply having minds of their own, and that's a different issue. We'll talk about it another time. If we, I mean, we also did an episode called "When Is Bratting Okay," and you can check that out as well. Um there's a lot going on with bratting the, the word bratting, but generally if you're using it non-derogatorily and you're simply using it to describe like testing boundaries, pushing back, being playful. Yeah. A lot of things could be considered bratting. Um, I don't mind personally and I, but I communicate this to my, my bottoms. I don't mind if bottoms want to test boundaries with me playfully. I don't mind if they want to see what I'm going to do. I don't mind if they're having a personality, if they want to be silly for the most part, I feed off of the energy. If I have a problem with something, I'll tell them, OK, like, hey, I'm having a hard time in this moment. But I, I'm not threatened by a bottom being playful <laughs> so um, in, in,
1: in my scenes as a top. Usually I'm the one bratting. Yes,
0: that's true. <laughs> um, maybe that's why I'm so comfortable with it. I've just been conditioned to deal with it. But now I, I don't see boundary testing or like pushing back or being like silly or playful or a little sassy. I don't see that as. Bratting necessarily I might say like oh you're being a little bratty but it's not a bother to me it's not a negative to me it's the bottom trying to find out what happens when I push against potential boundaries how easy is the ego on this d-type deflated if I poke at it well
1: I feel like well, okay hold on Well, I'm just just saying because like if you, a d-type has limits and boundaries doesn't mean they have a fragile but ego. I'm saying
0: though like <laughs> if you can't handle your bottom being like what are you going to do next? If that's very intimidating to you or you're like, no, it's not anything at all. But I'm saying like pushing back or being like, oh, what are you going to do? Oh, you could hit me harder. Like having uh, being playful or having like sassafras lines or like goading your D type to a degree is a form of brat play, I think. But to me, I just outrightly tell bottoms from the get go. I'm like, if you want to play around a little bit to see what happens, I don't mind interacting with you. It doesn't you bother don't mind me.
1: What happens?
0: <laughs> no, well, I'll say. I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I just. I think it's important for bottoms to be able to feel around what the D type is offering them, find where the boundaries are, understand where they are, and I think some people do that and they explore the top and the scene itself by doing things like that, by testing the waters a little bit and seeing how does the D-type hold boundary? I think to a degree, it's a healthy human behavior. And then to another degree, it's not. There's a line. And that's what I tell people I'm playing with is if you want to push at the boundary a little bit, or you want to see what I do, or if you want to be a little sassy with me, like I, I, it's so far, it hasn't been a problem for me, but I'm a new top and I don't want you to demean me as a top.
1: Well, that's kind of what I was going to say is that there is that line and, you know, if you're pushing a little bit, that's one thing, but it may be that certain things are over the top. You know, it might be that you hit a button with somebody in a bad way. If you yell back, you know, you hit like a girl and then maybe it triggers their gender stuff or whatever. Yeah. Um. I know somebody who used to yell like, is that all you got? And that might not seem that bad. And it wasn't for the people they were playing with. It was fine. Um, But it could be something, especially like if you're a newer top, it could kind of affect the confidence level. Yeah. You could start questioning yourself like, you know, am I doing this right or whatever? So it could cross lines. And it's something to maybe play with, like with anything, right? Play with it lightly until you continue to learn your partner.
0: Yeah. And I think, again, like I... I'm actually trying to understand how I use the word bratting when I'm describing things as a top, because I find that any type of playfulness, I'm like, oh, that's a little bit of bratting, but it doesn't bother me. And I want to kind of change the way I approach it to describing it more as being playful or testing to see testing I'm testing you I'm seeing what you do when I do this thing I'm putting a little bit of chemical into the mix to see if there's a little bit of a reaction like this is to me a healthy and normal part of building a scene with somebody um but yeah Yeah, I think it's it's important to know where the boundaries are and and what I like to tell people is like your intent should not be to humiliate me or to make me feel insecure um I don't want to feel bullied as a top and um if you're making fun of me as a top that's a hard limit for me
1: yeah, and, you know, I was just thinking about the people that I play with right now, and I'm the top in all those situations, and I was just thinking about how none of you are really bratty during scenes, including you. Like I, the there are some things thing, that we I'm do. the brattiest person you in are. the room when I am You out-brat. You outbrat. I out brat. But it's funny because, like, one thing that I, I love when we play is you're... I think the brattiest way you are typically is when you do the no thank you, Miss Jen. Right. You're not willing to call a safe word, but you're, you know, whatever. And you're like, no, thank you. That's not even that bratty.
0: Well, it it would be to some people for me to be talking back. I
1: talk back to you. Yeah, it might be. But that's very mild. I think that's about all you do. We
0: also get a primal energy where like you'll be hitting me and I'll look at your eyes and I'll push my body closer so that you can hit me harder. Like I'll do things where I am pushing. I am combating you in a way that is playful and that is certainly me tug of warring the power with you. But I never tug the power out of your hand.
1: Yeah. You know, and, you know that's what I mean. Are... It's
0: playful. It's, it's, it's calculated. It's fun. It's primal. And I would definitely argue that it's a form of brattiness. But it's why our scenes can be so fun to watch because there is a little bit of a, not power struggle, but there's tension.
1: Well, and I know there's doms out there that would look at that type of behavior as topping from the bottom, right? Because even just making a suggestion of what you want the top to do would be seen that way. Um, but again, it's us. And you, we know know that, yeah. you know you know that I'm fine with that and it's. I don't consider it as something that is crossing the line.
0: I'm certainly not subverting our power, but I, I wouldn't necessarily do that with another D-type. It would depend. Um, and I would also expect that D-type or top to let me know I liked that, I didn't like that, and I would adjust. Um, so it, I think it depends on the intention. You know, so, so far I have not had a scene with somebody who says I want to brat you and it's not a hard limit for me at this time because I've never tried it. I've never seen if I like it and I don't think it's wrong to enjoy that. I think it's actually normal to want to be subdued. I think it's a hot fantasy that a lot mm-hmm. of S types or bottoms yeah. have. I want to be subdued. I want to be beaten down. But I think it can also come from I really want to do this but I'm not able to submit to it. I don't feel safe submitting. I only feel safe when I've been pushed. And I understand Mm -hmm. that mindset too. And maybe that's why I'm so permissive and why I'm so curious and encouraging for bottoms to explore themselves in scenes with me is because I know that a lot of those feelings can come actually from insecurity. And I, I like to try to be calm and welcoming of those tactics to explore because to me, when they see that I'm unruffled, I hope it lets them feel safe to actually sink into some submission. And that that they see, oh, she's not, she's not mad. She's just still going. She's still doing her thing. Okay, that didn't really do anything to change. I think I'm okay to just sort of settle. You know, so so far it's been interesting to explore. But I I, I love to see Bottoms explore.
1: Well, I'm gonna wrap this up by saying, hey, you Eden's play partner, who I know listens to the podcast. Maybe in the next scene, you should just brat out a little and Can see you please what happens.
0: Settle down. That's such a dick move. <laughs> Such a dick move. I'm not asking for bratting. I'm I'm expressing that I think that it's healthy to like need
1: <laughs> no, to need to, to put up you. a bit of a fight, I'm trying to help you in your new D type ness to see my new D type ness. What or your topness or whatever to see you know what what works and what doesn't.
0: I just think it would turn into like a very switchy fun scene, honestly. But Maybe. the point is, but you said you wanted to wrap it up. The point is that it is important to talk about something like bratting or like boundary pushing or like verbal communication. What, what's OK? What isn't OK? All of that's super important. But you should also as the bottom, you should ask the top. You should never assume that a top wants that type of energy with you or wants tension in the scene. I happen to be one that isn't adverse to it at this time. I reserve the right <laughs> to decide later. Actually, I don't like that. But um, some tops, as Ms. Jen said, they really don't feel good about that. You know, that's not something that they're willing or ready to do. Again, you are consenting to be in a scene with them. So if you've consented to bottom and then you start putting up a fight when you're in the scene without any com- con- uh, conversation. Be, yeah, that
1: can be very shocking.
0: But you're also mm. not doing what you agreed to do. That's what you're I'm essentially saying. like not giving the top a right to consent. You're You're violating their consent and their understanding of the scene. So that's not cool.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, in any of my scenes, like if I if I was going along just thinking this is a, you know, typical scene. And I start, you know, let's say something simple. I start putting, attaching somebody to a piece of furniture and they start like pushing me away or like, you know, fighting against me putting their wrist where I want it. I'm going to probably be like. I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know if they're in distress. Like my mind's going to go to safety and worst case scenario. Yeah. And I might end the scene if I'm not sure why that's happening. If we haven't talked about it or if it's not a part of the usual for yeah. us. I might I might call the scene because I'm like, okay, is everything good? <laughs> right? And that might... You know, it might be something where we can get back into the scene uh, after checking in, but it might also be something where that really pulls me out of my headspace. So if you want to do things like that, it is good to talk about, hey, you know, we're negotiating to play. And part of what I really love to do as as the bottom is be a little playful and fight back a little bit. Okay, you don't Mm -hmm. have to be super specific. Like, you know, I'm going to fight back at minute 23 or when you do this specific thing. It can just be, hey, I tend to be kind of playful and I might fight back a little bit. OK, I can now at out. Least know that this is something that could happen and it doesn't mean that something's wrong.
0: Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to say that Miss Jen didn't bring up and that I thought was kind of kind of cool to offer for aftercare. But it's something I wanted to say as an S type who lives with her dominant and who sees her dominant after scenes with others, after scenes with herself and also just after doing parties and the like. Doms physically get exhausted and their bodies do hurt after doing scenes sometimes. At least mine Um, does. I have learned with one of my tops, I always offer him a massage after scenes. And I've begun to do the same for my dominant before and after she plays. I offer, "Can can I massage you? Because her body needs care. This is not a need. You don't have to do this as a bottom. But it's this type of thing that can help a top and many tops don't ask for it. They don't, they don't know to ask. They don't feel comfortable asking, um, whatever. It's nice to offer to the top something like that if you're comfortable giving a massage or comfortable like, you know, We're getting... Not about
1: like a full body massage. We're just talking no. about rubbing their shoulders. Yeah, rubbing their shoulders <laughs> and things like that. Like a shoulder
0: rub can, can really help a top as well. Um, and just understanding, again, that they may have certain needs like that. It's nice to be thoughtful. Um, I think we kind of covered all of those things. Is there anything else you wanted yeah. to say on the
1: subject? Not really. Just to keep in mind that, you know, D-types need shit too, and uh, <laughs> it's just to keep a balance, to just find you know yeah. strike a balance on, on the things that we normally are more focused on the, yeah. the bottom side. It's two humans playing together, regardless of who's topping and who's bottoming. Yeah. two enter- humans need things, and that is okay. Um, it's good to talk about. It's good to figure out. Uh, a lot of D types I know and they come in, they don't even know what their needs are for a while because there's so much focus on. You have to make sure the S type is okay, which you do, but it's also okay to understand yourself and what you need. Um, or at least things you might want, even if it's not a need. But um, but yeah, I think it's just important to remember that, that balance, right? So hopefully this has been uh, helpful and maybe... Had you thinking about some extra things that maybe you don't normally think about. Um, I think it's it's interesting to get Eden, your perspective as a newer top, um, you know, because I think sometimes there are things just in life that we don't fully comprehend until we're in it, you know, so um, so yeah, I think that's good. And maybe the D-type is like, nah, I don't drop. I don't really need anything for aftercare. Okay right? Aftercare is not mandatory. There's plenty of people, tops and bottoms, who are like, I'm not really into the aftercare thing. I'm not typically dropping. I just want to flit around and be social after. All right. <laughs> Does the top need anything? <laughs> you know? So anyway, hope you've learned some stuff. Uh, we, of course, can't end the episode until we thank our peeps, which is, I'm going to go a different order this time. Sid, Lena, and Tussled. There you go.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, Sid does all of our web design. He created our Discord. And he's just a general all-around awesome person. Um, Lena is our staff vampire. She helps us run and moderate the Discord. Um, and is also just fucking awesome. And then we have the Tussled Tussled is great. Tussled writes all of our notes, helps us coordinate content, and is just a really helpful team member. Um, so we really appreciate all three of them. And we could not finish an episode of Chaos for Kinky without saying the very important name of. Pudding! pudding pudding is our call me kinkling we say her name funny pretty much every time now um if you are a call me kinkling uh you get a shout out every single episode so if you're curious about that or you just want to see what other tiers our patreon has go ahead and hop over onto patreon and type in k is for kinky you'll find us pop right up so if you want to financially support us um there is a one dollar tier seriously you can give us a dollar a month and it still makes a difference um, or you can range all the way up to $25 a month as a Call Me Kinkling. So check it out. Um, and until next time, uh, be, be well, well precious, precious kinklings.
1: kinklings. Ooh, in stereo. Ooh. Bye. bye. <laughs> Ooh, again.
0: You owe me a Coke. Jinx, you owe me you a Coke. get a Coke. I said Jinx. Well, I'm
1: your... I'm your dom. You don't get a Coke.
0: You can't it's violate the laws of Coke. physics. The laws of physics say that when we do a jinx and I call it, I get a Coke. That is the, that is the laws. That is the law. Also no cuts, no butts, no coconuts. Also a law. So <laughs> keepers, losers, weepers. Yeah. I'm, I, why are we, we're just seeing the fundamental laws of the universe.